This is a Rooster Teeth production. October 25th, 1906. A ship named the Peter Iredale is traveling along the Oregon coast, en route to Portland. It was planning to pick up a cargo of wheat and then head on to the United Kingdom, but it would never make it to Portland. Instead, it ran ashore. What would normally be a pretty routine wreck with no casualties, instead has turned into one of the most enduring tourist attractions in the state. Why? Let's find out. (laughs) You're so inquisitive. I know. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. I'm Brian. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. The wind at her back, front and sides, Peter Airedale marches forth, belly filled with sand and rocks. We can't help but ruminate on yet another big-bellied Peter, making its way slowly towards death and obscurity, yet remaining somehow relevant. I I think on Fox? Is that- So it's family guys. It's a family. I was trying to do a family guy thing. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) No, no, no. Props for trying. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, right. Nailed it. Nailed it. And by that, I mean nailed an attempt. Peter. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Moving anyway. Uh, hey, <laughs> big ups. Thank you, everybody, for all the support, the fan art, downloading, rating the show. That's important. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. Rating and reviewing. Uh, so this show somehow is it's number twelve on the on the Spotify UK true crime podcast charts after one episode, which is. Nuts. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought Brian had doctored the images. No, we're like we're like David Hasselhoff. No one knows us in our home country, but overseas we're they huge. love us. Well, I think yeah. were we 14 on the United States and I think 16 Australia last yeah. I checked. Okay, but this is about the UK. This but the UK loves us the most because we're number 12. We did two better right. here than everybody else. And yeah. that makes sense. They're an island nation. This is probably close to their hearts. It's Most true. of these yeah. ships are either leaving or going to the UK. That yeah, we cover. they took a lot of ships to uh, other nations that yeah. they um, practiced imperialism on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that they pointed guns at and said, this is ours. Uh, but anyway, we so appreciate it. We really appreciate all the people that have been uh, tweeting at us and following the show and liking it and letting us know their thoughts. And we can only ask that if you can, just spread the word because these early numbers and these early analytics are super important for the longevity of the show. Um, and so- Feel free to spread the word. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your moms. Actually, yeah, you know? moms love this. I don't know if you know this, Brian. Our moms, uh, the two of us, Patrick and I, our moms like it. And my mom shared it with her book club. And I've I've gotten messages from uh, these mothers who were, you know, foundational in my youth, family friends and such. <laughs> and they are big fans. So shout out to the book club. Yeah. My my mom is aware of it because she liked my post about it on Facebook. My dad called me and said he wants to listen to it, but has no idea how. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, that makes sense. Walking him through it, yep. trying to. I, I'm I'm like, well, look at your phone. Does it have a podcast app, first of all? So we're it's baby steps. He's like, it's, yeah, yeah. it's black and I can see my reflection. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. Let's. The Peter Iredale is a four-masted steel bark sailing ship that was built in Maryport, England in 1890 by R. Ritson & Co. Limited. Peter Iredale was 87 meters, that's 285 feet for the, the civilized world, <laughs> uh, in length, and it was fashioned from steel plates on an iron frame. It was the largest ship the company ever built and was considered one of the finest ships of its day. Good, good bones on this one. How were they ranking these in the... Late 1800s. Listicles. 
Oh, stylistic. Yeah. Okay. They probably telegrammed each other or something yeah. like, Oi, we're working on a great ship, mate. Gov, you've got to see this ship. <laughs> One of the finest of the day. <laughs> Listen. Yeah. So the ship was named after Peter Eardale. Maybe we're getting the name right. You know. Eardale. Yeah. He was a well-known figure in Liverpool, England. Eardale was an English shipping baron whose fleet sailed all over the world. He was known as the beetle of his day. Yeah, he was the singular beetle. There's yeah. only one. Was this his ship? I don't think it was. It was named, it was after. named after him. Yeah. So I think he was, yeah, he's just a big wig. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was a shipping baron. It was probably, I don't know, baron's own stuff. He's probably okay, involved. okay. Yeah. Just, you know, a ship's named after someone. I have questions. Well, okay. Okay. So uh, that brings us to the fateful final voyage of the Peter Iredale. So around September 26th, 1906, the ship set out from Salina Cruz, Mexico, bound for Portland, Oregon. It was only the Peter Iredale's ninth voyage ever. Stuff really? Out. Yeah, I guess. I missed that on the first time over. Crazy, though. Like, you know, we were saying we we shot to the top of the UK crime charts. I would say the Peter Eardale for being one of the finest ships of the day with only nine voyages. That's Wait, impressive. and it was built in 1890? So it had about 16 years of service. But it took long trips. It was like yeah. transcontinental. It, it was oh, basically right. made to haul big loads. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 the ship was headed to Portland to drop off 900 tons of sand and gravel ballast and huh. pick up a supply of wheat bound for the United Kingdom. What a roundabout. Like, Mexico, Portland. So we, you go to Mexico to stock up on sand, which uh, maybe the sand's a little better down there. I don't know. But it seems like sand, you know. Is everywhere. I'm sure they have some up Oregon's Oregon on the coast. coast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Stuff was so inefficient back then. It took months to get wheat shipped to. I mean, it just seems oh like and sand. I mean, even even that, like wheat, you got to go from Portland to the UK, so you have to sail around South America. Yeah, there's no Panama like, Canal yet. The so. hell are you doing? <laughs> oh my God, honey, I know you need some sand to build your castle. You say to your five year old, but you're gonna have to wait three years for that. I'm sorry. We've we've telegrammed Mexico. Yeah, hey, kiddo, sorry. I know yeah. you want gravel ballast. Ooh. Yeah, so at this particular time in naval history, sails were gradually going out of fashion, being replaced by steam engines, which had been used for decades at this point. Uh, but sails, sails still had advantages, especially for these long trips. They don't blow up for one. Yeah, they don't explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and they the, shouldn't. Yeah. The Peter Eardale's job was to carry bulk goods around the world, so... Was it really taking wheat from Portland or another kind of wheat? Back to <laughs> You're talking about UK. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Brian. Hell yeah. You know Portland was cool even back in 1906. Oh, Come yeah. on. Keep now. England weird. They were smoking and complaining about the Blazers even back then. <laughs> so for the first month, there was nothing unusual about the ship's voyage as it traveled up the west coast of the United States. It still blows my mind that it takes months just to go from like, I mean, it doesn't even matter how far it is. You could tell me how the distance and I would still be like, but months? I mean, well, sometimes it takes an hour for my husband to get off the couch. Uh -huh, okay. <laughs> I don't have one. Uh -huh. I just, <laughs> cool, cool. This seemed like a fun bit. Then October 25th came around. That was the day the Peter Eardale reached the mouth of the Columbia River near Astoria, Oregon. This particular spot was infamous among sailors. It even was nicknamed the Graveyard of the Pacific. <sighs> which that's cool. infamous. Yeah. You don't want to sail somewhere called that. Okay. So why did it have such an ominous name? 
Well, because that was the point where the Columbia River met the unpredictable weather and powerful waves of the North Pacific. That does seem bad. Yeah, it's bad. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work out well for ships often. Jeff Smith, a curator at the Columbia River Maritime Museum, called the Columbia River one of the most dangerous waterways in the world. Damn. Yeah. It's, you know, our current day seems so tame that to think of like Portland being the scourge of ships everywhere <laughs> is so unfamiliar to me. Yeah. A nautical graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> that is the graveyard of the Pacific. You must never go there, Simba. <laughs> Decades earlier, in 1862, U.S. Navy Commander Charles Wilkes described it this way, quote, Mere description can give but little idea of the terrors of the bar of the Columbia. All who have seen it have spoken of the wilderness of the ocean and the incessant roar of the waters, representing it as one of the most fearful sights that can possibly meet the eye of the sailor. Woof. Also, my cousin John Wilkes is a no good one. Don't don't pay any attention to him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's kind of the black sheep. The actor? Psh, that's not a real job. No, no. Come on. Since the late 1700s, more than 2,000 ships and 700 lives have been lost in that particular spot. And so that's bad. Bad for the sailors, very good for the longevity of this show. Yeah. Yeah, you we know, can just cover that spot forever. Yeah, you are now listening to Ship Hits the Mouth of the Columbia River. I have had multiple people be like, do you think you'll run out of like shipwrecks? And it's like, no, we could literally focus on... <laughs> The one area where the Columbia River meets the Pacific and do 2,000 shows. Yeah. You so we're good. You take them under your arm and you go, have you ever heard about a little thing called the Graveyard of the Pacific? <laughs> and they say, no, of course not. Get off of me. Yeah. We'll be the number eight true crime podcast in Portland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most of the wrecks were ships running aground in the sediment-filled river mouth and then being battered by the elements, which brings us back to the Peter Eardale. Mm. I have I have actually clinical sediment-filled river mouth. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning you, to tell you you should see somebody about it. I have yeah, a guy. But I refuse. You have insurance. <laughs> so at 3.20 a.m. on October 25th, as the ship was making its way to the northwestern tip of Oregon, its captain, H. Lawrence, more of these just initial guys, mm -hmm. uh, spotted the Tillamook Rock Lighthouse perched on a rock on the northern Oregon coast. Oh, like the like the cheese. Presumably Tillamook Rock. I was the you rock would have to assume that it was yeah. perched upon. <laughs> the mouth of the Columbia was just around the corner. At this point, Lawrence steadied his ship as he waited for a pilot boat to meet him. God, how do you steady an iron sailing ship with huge masts? I, I just well, he didn't do it very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. you don't is the answer. <laughs> you cross your fingers and God is ass. Hope for the best. You thought you were safe, H. Lawrence. Yeah. So the pilot boat's job was to guide the Peter Eardale through the Columbia as it made its way to Portland. But the weather was bad. There was a thick mist, rising tide, heavy winds, and powerful waves to deal with. All, all bad things uh, when traveling by ship. The captain later recalled that as they waited, quote, a heavy southeast wind blew and a strong current prevailed. Before the vessel could be veered about, she was in the breakers and all efforts to keep her off were unavailing. Oh no, my, my gravel ballast. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have to get this to shore now. We're going to lose all this sand. <laughs> I think they actually did save the cargo. Arr, we're headed to the graveyard of the Pacific we are. Arr, I, I just picture the captain from The Simpsons. Yeah, of course. Be sure to bring plenty of sand. <laughs> well, art is drawn from life. Uh -huh. You know? 
So in circumstances like this, sailing boats like the Peter Iredale were particularly vulnerable. Unlike steamships, sails were much more affected by the shifting winds and currents. Really? Yeah, because, you know, you're not making your own power. You're using wind power. <laughs> so you're not going to you're not going to blow up, but you will get blown around. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. On Caledon, we used water power. <laughs> So, making things worse was the fog. Dave Pearson, curator at the Columbia River Maritime Museum, said that in such a thick fog, a skipper could easily lose his bearings and not realize he was approaching the shore. Aye, skipper. Yes. Uh, and in the case of the Peter Iredale, quote, you just couldn't turn around something that big. Yeah, this is a massive, th this is a huge ship. It's like 2,000 tons. Or it's, I mean, it's like, yeah, crazy. Yeah, and I think the scale of that, because it is also, again, you think it's, you're in the middle of, you know, you're in water. It's like, well, how hard could it be to avoid something? It's like, well, the Titanic couldn't avoid an iceberg, and that's just open water. That's your wide open water. It takes, because these things are so huge. Yes. That it takes a tremendous amount of time and effort to just shift even a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I, they're essentially battering rams. I think that's one of my favorite things about our, uh, lack of expertise is that our default is always like, oh, how hard can it be? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. like, just turn the damn thing around. And right. it's You're in uh, water. Yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, water, that's so <laughs> scary. But, like, anyone with a modicum of training is going to be like, actually, no, it's it's really yeah, hard. This is, is 200,000 tons of steel. Yes, and, and gravel ballast and sand. In the ocean, though, which is even stronger. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can exactly, sort of yeah. Break it the apart. full force yeah. of the ocean is and also, also working against in it. a storm. And also yeah. at the graveyard of the Pacific, uh -huh. which Dave Pearson, I don't want to tell you how to run your museum, but Columbia River Maritime Museum, why don't we just call it graveyard of the Pacific yeah, way Museum? way cooler, right? Let's put some sizzle behind that stake. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into the wreck. At some point, the heavy winds caused the captain and crew to lose control of the Peter Eardale. The wind forced the ship ashore and onto a giant sand spit called Clatsop Sands, known today as the yeah. Clatsop Spit. Yeah. The Clatsop Spit. <laughs> you know, I have a terminal case of Clatsop Spit. I know, yeah. The boat hit land so hard that three of its masts split from the impact. Wow. Yeah. The sound of it all. So luckily, and kind of amazingly, there were no major injuries. Uh, and Captain Lawrence ordered that the ship be abandoned. The crew immediately shot off flares, which were spotted by a team at the nearby Point Adams Lighthouse. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So, so they kind of got this figured out. Yeah. A lifeboat was dispatched from Point Adams. Rescuers managed to bring all 27 crewmen, including two stowaways, safely to shore. Yes, two terrified stowaways. Um, can you imagine? Yeah, I thought this was interesting. <laughs> like, so you're, you're, you know, stowed away on a ship with really only 27 other people. Like, I feel like on a large ship, not that hard to be a stowaway, right? Yeah, but a long voyage. S certainly, but still, like, you know. You could probably you make yourself scarce. With 27 people. You've been there for a month? Yeah. Though. You're down there with the sand, I guess. I don't know. You got a couple sandwiches in your pocket? I don't know. Well, you got plenty of gravel to eat. <laughs> <laughs> just just you wait, kiddo. You're going to have you're going to be able to eat your weight's worth in gravel. <laughs> it's definitely two scamps, right? Two brothers. Oh, it's got to be. Who want to go to Portland and start a band? Exactly. Yes, totally. They're trying to open a coffee shop. Yeah, trying to Got them. 
I'll I'll serve the coffee and you'll play bagpipes on a unicycle or whatever weird stuff we do. It's perfect. Yeah. We already have the cool mustaches. Yeah. yeah. And then one day we can draw Fred Armisen up here. <laughs> <laughs> They're already working on a screenplay for Lorne Michaels to option. We're like if the most annoying neighborhood in your city was the entire city. <laughs> I'm sure Portland's great. No, I'm sure it's of, great. I, I've, I, I've never been. It's, I would it's love, probably awesome. I would love to see Portland. I've yeah. been trying to get up there forever. Take the coastal Starliner. I was there for a week to do to do stand up. It was it was really fun. Yeah. Did you check out the graveyard of the the Pacific? Pacific? Yeah. You didn't go by ship, did you? No, because Portland's Portland's like inland. It's like yeah. I don't know two hours inland. It's not right on the water like Seattle is. Right, it's just on right. a river. So there's a lot of trees mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of dudes with beards. It's yeah. it's very much the stereotype, but it's it's also beautiful. Yeah, I feel like I'd fit in just fine. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think I would do well up there too. Yeah, not you know for a different community, but I think an equally robust one from what sure. I hear. <laughs> So stowaways, they were safe as well as the crew. I wonder so, if they knew. This, this is badass. Ca- yes. Captain Lawrence. That's right. So H. this is, you know. Big H. Ship, ship's captains. I feel like they, they get their due as being generally cool, badass guys for the most part. Yeah, you get a hat, a blue coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beard, pipe. Yeah. I think as long as they follow the beats, you know, the like staunchly going down with the ship if they need to of course and like very very reserved but fair well, you know see justice exactly and i think he i think he'd be one of them so william k inman one of the lifesavers who helped captain lawrence ashore remembered that the red bearded captain stood at attention <laughs> and saluted his ship yes so sick yes. He, so he is hitting cool. all his beats yeah. it, it is just filled with sand yep <laughs> Well, it's not about the sand. It's about his lady, her ship. Yeah. Yeah. Lady Peter. Yeah. He thanked his rescuers by saying, quote, may God bless you and may your bones bleach in these sands. Is that a good thing? I've read that quote a million times in writing this. What is that a good thing that your bones bleach in the sands? My first thought was when I read it, I I glazed over it, but I thought maybe I thought he meant the ship's bones. Yeah. Are we sure he's not talking to the ship? Oh, huh. But he's, he's, he's thanking the rescuers by saying this. He's saying, may God bless you. So he's in a good mood. He's paying them a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. And may your bones bleach in these sands. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's an honor to die on land for, for a sailor. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's a good idea. I'm not yeah, sure. That's a good, maybe it's well, a misattributed yes. quote. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, he then turned and addressed his men with a bottle of whiskey in his hand. Boys, he said, have a drink. <laughs> yeah. You know they partied like animals that night. Oh, hell and yeah. They ate the stowaways. And the gravel. <laughs> and yeah. the gravel. Maybe they didn't save the, the, the cargo. I'm not sure. So cool. So the captain and his crew were tended to at Fort Stevens, which was a nearby military installation that guarded the mouth of the Columbia River. If the river didn't sink them, the, the fort would shoot them down. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. why it was yeah. really dangerous. So all told, everything actually kind of ended pretty well. Author Don Marshall describes it as, quote, the most singularly unexciting shipwreck scenario in maritime history. Yeah. Which, give it know, up. 
At least you're being recognized for something. Look, after last it's week. It's easy for Don Marshall to sound tough, but he wasn't there. I'll bet people were pretty scared when it happened. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying. You're on a giant ship and all of a sudden it hits something so hard that the masts break. Four of them, right? Four, three yeah, three yeah. or four of them? Three, I think. Three, yeah. I don't know what kind of life Don Marshall's living, but to me, that's pretty darn scary. Yeah. yeah. I hope you're hope you're nice and cozy at your computer and with look, your keyboard. You might be listening to this aching. You're clenched fists waiting for us to get into the death. But there was none. And after last week, I think that's a very welcome. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice change of pace. Change, yeah. It's nice to stretch our legs with this one. Yeah. And look, we still got a lot more to talk about here. Is that so? That is so. <laughs> because what the hell do you do with a beached ship? Tell uh, me. Well, um, uh, you know what? I don't know. Do you you do, don't know, Brian? You'd probably try to take it off, right? You can well, salvage no, these, First, you? you try to fix it, I think. Oh, well. Loot it. Yeah, loot it. Well, loot it, that's number one. You're going to yeah. want to loot it, certainly. Okay, so... Gotcha, guys. We actually know what happened with the ship because <laughs> it was like a hundred <laughs> years ago, and yeah, we have yeah. it in the the document in, in front of us. Yeah. Okay. So, Patrick. Yeah. What do you do with a beached ship? Well, initially, the plan was to fix it. I mean, this is still a, a beaut of a ship, right? One of the best of its day. Gorgeous. Everyone was saying there's little damage to the Peter Iredale's hull, so the owners planned to save the ship by just refloating her and towing the ship away to be repaired. Never happened. Just hmm. didn't happen. Unfavorable weather and ocean conditions for several weeks caused the ship to list to the right and eventually become embedded in the sands. Starboard. You know, it's it's not. Thank you. Yes, for for and and also I want to recognize all the people that were furious that we didn't recognize port used to be larboard and was changed. A lot of people were truly, genuinely angry. The worst thing that had happened to them this year. Yes, I think. Yes. Please tweet at Patrick about definitely any tweet at Patrick. Yeah, happy my, to field your. I am points. at underscore McLotta. That's wrong. But anyway, you can also tweet at Ship Hits Pod and we'll make sure it gets to. Gets yeah, send to your end. furious tweets there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, you know what? It's kind of heartening to hear this because we've all been in the situation where it's like, this is really important. And if I don't do it right now, it'll result in a monetary loss. Yeah. You put it off because the weather is bad. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> Shit weather. What are you going to do? But yeah, so because the weather was so bad, f***ed up the ship. Uh, underwriters paid the ship's full insurance value and it ended up just being sold for scrap. The ship's exterior steel plates were removed from its iron ribs. It's cool. <laughs> Everything that ship, is, that is yeah. pretty sick. They needed that steel. They they needed that for something else. So let's get into uh, let's the blame game. What we all right? Maybe the thing we do best here. A British naval court later ruled that the sudden wind shift and the strong current was responsible for the ship's stranding. So once again, Mother Nature they was put, yeah, to blame. They put God on trial. Exactly. The court found that the captain and his officers were in no ways to blame. Another another rare one for this show. Just nobody to point the finger at. Yeah, just bad. Other than God. Not really a bad guy here. Yeah, just kind of this, this is something that happened and it sucked, but what are you going to do? Uh, in fact, Captain Lawrence and his officers were commended for their attempts to save the ship. Assuming, uh, you know, probably they just talked to someone who was like, yo, the captain, he held up a whiskey bottle and said, <laughs> boys, have a drink. And they were like, no, he didn't. You're kidding. Oh, that's so cool. Then he said something about my bones bleaching, but he said it with a really positive inflection. Yeah, I didn't understand that part, but it seemed good. So I went with it. We saw an etching of it. He looked awesome. His beard even looked red. 
when you when an old ship's captain toasts you and says something anything about your bones that's a big moment and that's a top 10 moment in anyone's that's life. why we're doing this show yeah yes yes so why are we talking about this otherwise pretty routine shipwreck there were no deaths nobody of note was on board apologies to captain lawrence and the crew and the stowaways mm-hmm. uh lawrence made a cool speech very cool speech and that was kind of about it right well no. Mm. The main reason we know about the Peter Eredale is because the ship is still there to this day, right at the spot where it was beached. Okay. What? Yes. We're going. That's all. We should Honestly, make a pilgrimage. Though, oh, be so cool. Let's get Rooster Teeth and Funhouse to pay for this. Uh, let's get Rooster Done. Teeth to pay for this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have pictures that, that, that I've pulled up, and we'll put these on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to describe kind of what we're looking at. It's There's not much of it left. You know, to above be the sand, yeah, above the sand, yeah. But there, you can, I think, ribs is the best way to put it. It honestly looks not unlike the Colosseum, with like these like pockets mm-hmm. of space in the what I think is the the front of the ship, the bow stern. Wait, <laughs> we can't do this. Oh no, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like the rusted remains on uh, on a beach right off the ocean, and it's it's hulking. I think would be a good way to put it. And you can see the remnants of other parts of the ship. It's. It's just so neat. It's just really cool. Yeah, and this is something that you can just like go to. From what I understand, I think you you just walk up to it. It's just on the beach. I don't know. Have a have a picnic. <laughs> no, it's a very like uh, all the Oregon tourist sites have the wreck of the Peter Iredale on there. I mean, it's it's a very I think well known spot to stop and check out. It's like where you would take your kids. Like, oh, we got the world's largest ball of twine. Oh, a, a shipwreck. And dad would be kind of into it because it's like old and it's a ship and he can think about being on that ship with his boy. That's what it is. Like, yeah. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. And this is not just a show for the moms. Mm-mm. It's for the dads. No, this is for the dads. <laughs> there is nothing like uh, being on a large ship. You know, like I went to the Queen Mary a few years ago and it's just like, damn, I should have been born this time. That should have been working on a ship with the fellas. Uh, yeah. Exactly. With yeah. The boy. Well. That's how I feel. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think you'd do great, Patrick. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah, so pretty much immediately, the wrecked ship became a local tourist attraction, which makes sense, considering that you don't see a 2,000-ton wrecked ship on the beach every day. That would have been huge even today, like with the internet and everything, but like even with all the cool video games and stuff we have now, a 2,000-ton ship would be like, oh, I, I got to go. I would go 30 minutes to see that. I, I mean, yeah, LA, you're not too far from the ocean. And if that happened, I would drop everything. Yeah. I'm there. And in boring-ass 1906, you better believe there was a crowd. Yeah, what are you doing? Just lighting lamps and turning them off. and Hoops and sticks. Lighting them again. Hoops and sticks. Yeah. yeah. Big bikes. I remember my gr- my grandparents told the story like they had a neighbor like on the next farm over and their baby was born with all of its teeth and like tons of people came just to see this baby <laughs> with teeth. That's how boring yes. things used to be. Yep. That's not boring. <laughs> that's quite exciting. Yeah, that's ma- that's like magical realism. They probably sold them to the circus. I don't yes, know. Yes, they definitely did. They would yeah. have. He probably had a really happy life. We got $5 from Ringling Brothers. I've heard stories the from Trump this and time child. where like from relatives, not this time, but you know, not too long after, where it was like, oh yeah, we used to, our toy, for toys, we used the severed heads of chickens from the farm. And that's what <sighs> we'd play with. <laughs> yeah. A okay. better time. 
And like dolls, dolls made of corn husks. Yeah. Those don't look like dolls. They look like corn corpses. They look like effigies. They look like magical talismans. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Back to it. The day after the wreck, the Oregon Journal reported that the wreck, quote, proved a strong attraction, and in spite of the gale that was raging, scores flocked to the scene of the disaster. School children were let out early to go see the ship. A local railroad made plans to run excursion trains to the site. Wow. Amazing. Tourists posed on the Peter Iredale's decks and explored its interior. Children climbed and played on the ship's remains. Uh, more than a few probably left with a pocket full of stolen sand. <laughs> you put that back. That was back when America was great. When you could climb on a dangerous ship and, and explore. And the kids <laughs> could turn it into a play scape. It's like finding uh, in the suburbs, finding an old bridge that's collapsed into the creek. Yeah. Just times a thousand. Well, it's like here in, in LA, we have like Sunken City, which is just a whole neighborhood that fell into the ocean however long ago oh yeah and it's like kind of closed off there's like a fence that you have to climb around but like nobody it's just no one pays attention to it it's just like there's a lot of drugs and stuff but a lot of spray paint but it's just like a cool thing to go see but it is at this yeah back then you just go hang out scores of photographers took pictures of the ship which back then took you know 20 minutes leading some to call it the most photographed shipwreck in the world that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably it. until Pearl Harbor, right? I feel like that's pretty photographed. That was the most photographed ship's wreck. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the tourists just never stopped coming. An Associated Press article said that the Peter Iredale, quote, has been a tourist draw ever since the wreck, adding, the wind and waves have worn it down, but sightseers still come to touch, photograph, and climb the wreck's rusty bones. The rusty bones bleaching on the beach. Yeah, it just never stopped being cool. <laughs> Which I never will. It's a shipwreck. Of course you're going to go see it. It's the same part of the brain that compelled us to make this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. As the years went by, the Peter Iredale has been an enduring highlight on the northern Oregon coast. Interesting postscript, during World War II, a Japanese submarine surfaced offshore and fired some shells that landed near the wreck of the Peter Iredale. Huh. Boo! Yeah, yeah. The blast caused some man-sized craters, but there were no direct hits. There's actually... It's not a shipwreck thing, but there's some really interesting stuff about like Japanese attacks on the U.S. coastline in World yeah. War II. Yeah, I forget that that happened. That's weird to think about. Well, because like it was almost completely ineffectual. Right, right. It was like the shelling of basically unlived in areas. And then I want to say the only mainland U.S. death in World War II was these like weather balloons that the Japanese like. Oh, yes. Loaded with explosives. And just sent out over the ocean. And like the one group that got hit was, I want to say like a teacher and a bunch of kids Oof. that were like on a, a excursion somewhere. And this weather balloon just comes out of the sky with a bomb on it uh, and just killed like, yeah, teachers oh and well, kids. So much I, could for be, a... I could be off, but I, I like I may have the details there wrong. Yeah, there's some weird stuff. If you're ever bored, look up like some of the Japanese attacks on mainland US. Yeah, I, I remember... There was a pilot who attacked a Japanese pilot who had uh, tried to like do some bombing. I don't know if it was Oregon or Washington State, but he ended up like just starting a few fires like in the forest. And that was yeah. it. And then he came Which back later as an old man. Yeah, not great. Not great. He came back as an old man way after the war, obviously, to apologize. 
and he brought like his ceremonial sword mm-hmm. to oh, where wow. if they didn't if they didn't accept his apology he was going to just sort of do himself in right oh my there. God. Luckily God. they they did accept his apology and like there's this he donated like books and there's this library dedicated to like understanding Japanese culture. Really cool heartwarming story. Yeah, yeah. that really is fascinating. They're like dude, you bombed a field. It's yeah, okay. It's fine. We're I'm so no, no, sorry. No, put the sword put the sword away, dude. Yeah, no, yeah, it is fine. Yeah, they're they're, they're third graders here. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, yeah, in 2006 the surrounding community hosted Shipwreck Week to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the ship's beaching. That was almost 20 years ago now. Highlights included a presentation by Thomas Iredale, a descendant of a cousin of the ship's namesake. Descendant of a cousin. So it's like... Okay. Kind of reaching there, Tommy. Yeah, it's probably like the great, great grandson of Peter Iredale's father's brother, Well, you know, 100 years, that's that's kind of just pushing the envelope on just like, oh, get their grandchild or something. Yeah, it's like that that dude who's like Bram Stoker's great nephew, great grand nephew and changed his name to Stoker so that he can write Dracula books. Really? Yeah. Okay. Something like that. I don't know the exact relationship, but it is a fairly distant relative from what I remember. Even today, the hull of the Peter Iredale is clearly visible. At low tide, you can walk right up to its remains toast with a jar of whiskey. <laughs> As the website Offbeat Oregon put it, the Peter Eardale quickly became counted among the state's greatest treasures, a real picturesque shipwreck that you could walk around and photograph and imagine as a setting for maritime adventures and ghost stories. And that's the most important part, is that ghost people stories. like us can walk around and imagine ourselves on a ship losers losers exactly <laughs> land yeah, lovers yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, yep yep what about me the main character of reality <laughs> yeah. i would have captained this boat if i were born a hundred years prior uh-huh okay <laughs> sure okay yeah that's great r.i.p to the peter iredale but i'm different <laughs> <laughs> kneeling and pr- putting up prayer hands like yep. just yep. Made, came here to make sure my worst <laughs> yes. enemy is still dead the peter iredale <laughs> yeah. yep that puts a nice bow on it. Yeah, that's yeah. the Peter Eardale. If you're in Oregon, go check it out. If you're traveling to Oregon, you know, also go check it out. Yeah, you know what I'd say? If, you, if you've if you been to the the wreck itself and you have pictures of it, tweet them at us or, or tag us on Instagram. Yes. At Ship Hits Pod. We would love to see them. We we love, uh, I guess, man, man-made ruin. I think is a is a really big topic of interest for us. So if you've been there or you're planning to, shoot us a pic. We would love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. You can put yourself in it too. Make it a selfie. Have someone else take it. Why not? The world is your oyster. Yeah, and thanks to one of our listeners, Regan, who got in touch with me and let me know about this wreck uh, for a possible show idea. So it, it this was a lot of fun to research and and just it's kind of a nice palate cleanser after a lot of the death and destruction. Yeah, I was listening to to last week's episode. We and we got some more fun. I, it, next week isn't there's some death, but it's a little more it's slow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, in, we're yeah. under under 50. Yeah. Still yeah. sad. Still sad. Still sad. We we honor their memory. Of course. All right. Uh anyway, can we get a uh, can I can I get a foghorn? Is that too much to ask? The honorable mention foghorn? Yes. All right. Brian? Wow. All right. I feel in the moment. Yeah. This week's honorable mention. We're going to my hometown here. Okay. 
and princes, Lake Minnetonka. Oh. Yeah. This is Lake Minnetonka. It's a huge lake in suburban Minnesota. Have they taken care of that zebra mussel problem? No, no, no. That's still a big issue, and it's not funny, so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You got real touchy about that. Yeah, yeah. Real touchy. It's where my grandpa used to take me to fish for sunnies and perch (laughs) from the docks. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm happy about that. Okay. Okay. Well, if you want to ask me about lanternflies or kudzu. It's also the lake that my only friend who owned a boat was also my only friend who did not enjoy going out on the boat, which is a real bummer when you see everyone's photos from their lake weekends. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this has nothing to do uh, with my childhood and more to do with uh, the Minnesota Vikings, the football team. Oh. Are you familiar? Oh. Skull, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah is that right. just Skull. a regular Viking so thing? For also, another. this happened on my birthday. Okay. Yeah. October 6th, 2005, I was turning 42. There was a... Whole bunch of Vikings uh, football Vikings players, including Dante Culpepper, quarterback, Fred Smoot, Miguel De Moore, Pat Williams, Bryant McKinney, Nate Burleson, Ralph Brown. I'm just reading off the Wikipedia. We don't need to get through everybody here. They rented two houseboats, took them out on the lake okay. with at least 100 prostitutes <laughs> who, cool. were, who were flown in from Atlanta and Florida. Oh, man. Yeah, get <laughs> oh, they that didn't even bag. use local girls. No, they didn't even use they Minnesota. Didn't... Like, where's your hometown spirit? At least get a few. Come on, these prostitutes weren't, these weren't locally sourced prostitutes. No, come on. You can't be in Atlanta. I mean, of course, I get it. <laughs> Okay, so what? What did they just have a good time? Is that why we're talking about it? Uh, too good of a time, probably. Definitely did. An attorney for the charter company, the company that rented out the boats, said some of the sex acts alleged by witnesses to have taken place during the party included quote masturbation, oral sex, anal sex, woman on man, woman on woman, <laughs> toys, double penetration, middle of the floor, middle of the couches, middle of the room. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> the A-frame, the Eiffel Tower. It's exhaustive, yeah. almost. Yeah. I guess, you know, no man on man, which is a shame. <laughs> the cleaning crew reported finding, again, quote, used condoms, KY jelly, handy wipes, wrappers for sex toys, and said, quote, it was just incredible how it was left. <laughs> Never in the history of this group of people have they ever had anything like this. <laughs> Well, yeah, they're athletes. They got stamina. These are I know. professional athletes. They can literally go all night. We're the dealing, rest of us talk about going they, all night. Yeah. But we're nothing after 15 minutes. These dudes can go all night. You're talking about athletes in peak physical condition. They're out on a boat on Lake Minnetonka. Well, you know what gets me is it's two boats. Were they like swimming back and forth? Where had they tied them uh, together? It was probably like the defensive line and the oh, offense. Yeah, yeah I yeah, imagine that's probably, how it was split. You got you to gotta yeah. keep a good split. And it's the Vikings, so they had just suffered a really embarrassing loss of some kind. You have to assume. What kind of yeah. season did they have in 2006? Knowing the, knowing the Vikings, not good. No, it was a bad season. But I think if memory serves, and I don't know much about the Vikings, but if memory serves, the Dante Culpepper seasons were some of those ones, not unlike the Randy Moss seasons, where it was like, this might be the year. And it, yeah, oh, it yeah. never was, ever. But, yeah. but but you're just good enough to get your hopes up. Exactly, exactly. 
I, I'm a Saints fan, and we knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs in like 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize this, but for the next decade, Vikings fans have despised us. And like, I don't think yeah. we had any idea, but yeah, they y'all were just nursing that hatred up there. And it's kind of scary. That sounds about right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if yeah. this is 2005, six or six, seven, but they went six and 10. Okay. Not uh, the worst, I guess. Yeah. So, hey, and to their credit, <laughs> no drugs and no minors. Just, which I want to say I'm fairly it's all certain. legal? I think there were legal? quite a few drugs. Okay, good. I'm glad that's what you're saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I do remember reading this when it came out in the papers and stuff back then, that there was a large amount of drugs on the on the boat, but you know, you know, I, I'm sure the 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 powers that be in the Vikings organization and the larger NFL were maybe like, yeah. hey, let's let's focus on the the debauchery, uh-huh. <laughs> right? And I, I want to. There's a quote here from a uh, running back, Mawel Day Moore. Uh, this is from an old MSNBC article. He was on the cruise. Said he didn't see any sexual activity, <laughs> which is one of two things: either he's just being cool and you know. Trying to yeah, protect his teammates. Keeping his mouth shut. Keeping his mouth shut. Either that or he's just the biggest loser on the team. <laughs> he was reading a magazine upstairs. Yeah, they like they were like, hey, can you go get us some more booze from the, the top of the deck? <laughs> Making up a part of the and ship. And he came back and the door was locked. <laughs> oh, I hope not. That is 100% the kind of person I was in high school. Never saw drugs. Never saw sex. I'm sure they were going on. I was not invited to. Well, yeah, but yes, n- now yes. you have the opportunity to tweet about how euphoria is not representative of your experience. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, a, a really banger original tweet. Yeah, yeah. you can get you can yeah. get a lot of uh, as a former gifted kid. That. I don't get it. <laughs> I am a former gifted kid. <laughs> cool. and it, is, it is not what I'm used to, but I understand that that's not everyone's experience. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone can be gifted. Right. So that that running back, Moel De Moore, he was one of the few players to admit that he was there. A lot of them said they just weren't there, but mm-hmm. most of them were. However, in kind of an addendum to that other quote where he didn't see anything, he said, that's crazy. Sex? Come on. <laughs> that is a quote <laughs> from sex? Come on. Come what? On. Come on. Come on. No, no, well, no. Some I, of these guys had girlfriends and wives. I'm not buying them. No, yeah, no, no, Man. no, no. no. <laughs> what are you talking about? Sex? I never heard of it. That's amazing. Anyway, a few misdemeanors were handed out, but yeah. And that's the Vikings went on to win the Super Bowl. Not yet. Nope. Okay. Not yet. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah. Maybe another party would help. Anyway, we'll that's our stupid, stupid show. Yeah. Uh, I would say this week, a banger. Sure. Yeah? No death, cool captain, Viking sex party. <laughs> what more could you want? Yeah. What else do you want? Uh, well, I could want you to go follow our show socials on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. At ship hits pod. That's one word. No dashes or underscores or numbers. So uh, give it a like, won't you? You know? Please. And if you go to the Peter Airedale, grab some sand for the show. Take a picture and tweet us. Yes. Your picture. Please do. You in front of the Peter Airedale. And we need your five star reviews. You have to give them to us. You you must. You're legally obligated. Say what you want, but give us five. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Say anything in the review. I've read some negative not five-star reviews, and it just breaks my heart. I would much rather they, yeah, give us the five. Just give us the five, and then we'll probably see it then. Yeah. You can say whatever scathing thing you want. Yeah. Yeah. All right. See you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.